Welcome if you're online, welcome if you're joining us on YouTube or SoundCloud, great to have you with us. And I want to start with this scripture, uh, and it's from James, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. This verse, I remember when I was the dean of the His People Bible School in PE, one of the first sessions that I spoke at Bible school was from this verse in James 1, verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And I just want to pause there. So James was actually Jesus' half-brother because they had different dads. I don't know if you know that. Same mom, but different dads, okay? But this is the deal. You know, it's like, you know, most of you, you know, you're my, you're my brother from a different mother, okay? These were brothers from the same mother, okay? But... James was literally the, the, uh, one of the apostles, um, and he writes this book to the Jews, okay? So he came, to the, he came to faith in Jesus, historians believe, actually after Jesus was resurrected. And it must have been quite a thing to realize, sheesh, <laughs> your big brother is the savior of the world. I mean, that can be quite a like, sheesh, you know. <laughs> I, I, my, my mind just goes in terms of, you know, sibling stories. I mean, that must have been a double take, you know. Okay, he wasn't joking when he used to say those things. Anyway, but James is writing to Jews all around the, the, the let's say, the known world then. And why was he writing to them? He was writing to Jews who'd become Christians, just like him. So he had been a devout Jew, and then after Jesus was resurrected, like, uh, just came, you know, you know, had an encounter with the risen Christ, surrendered his life to the risen Christ. And there were many Jewish communities that this happened to. But you must know the persecution that you would face if you had been part of a Jewish community your whole life. Now you're a Christian. And the persecution, the the... Yeah, just the, the, the ostracization. What's, there's a word like that. So, so, yeah, yeah, that word there. The rejection. The rejection. Same thing. You know what I mean, okay? The rejection you would experience. Having been part of this community, and remember, in many of those cities in the, uh, outside of Israel, there were Jewish communities all over. They were minority communities, so inevitably they would be very closely, very closely knit. And now if you suddenly become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, these guys were persecuted and ostracized and rejected. <laughs> and it was really difficult for Christians uh, who had been Jews. So that's the people he's targeting, people who had been Jews and now we're Christians. So that's why he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Okay? So that's the group of people he's talking to. For you know, for you know. When he says you know, folks, this was what he's about to say. He's reminding them of a teaching that was well known in the church. He's reminding of a foundational teaching that everybody knew. And this was it. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Wow. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Sign me up. Where do, I, where do I get an injection of steadfastness? Please, I want to be complete and perfect and lacking nothing. Okay, you know where you sign up? Lord, send some fire. Send trials and tribulations, Lord. Persecution and tough times, Lord. More, you know, pandemics and wars, Lord. Bring it on, amen. Lord, I was joking. Lord, note, that was a joke. Okay, it was not a prayer. Okay. I literally know a pastor friend who, who, who was, he was going through such a tough time and he understood this truth and he prayed that. He said, Lord, turn up the heat. And he, he, it was a moment he had faith in that moment. And afterwards he was like, oh, what a crazy prayer. Why did I have faith to pray for more heat? Okay. But there is, the reality is, there's stuff that happens in us that is so good for us when we go through tough times. That was the truth that they knew. And so he's encouraging these Jews who are now Christians, who have been ostracized from their families and their communities, etc. He was encouraging that God works good in all things. And sometimes it's when the things are really bad that most good is worked in that. If you will yield to God's processes. Now how is this possible? And I remember, I remember hearing this years ago. Somebody said that, that faithfulness is the root of all character. And, and the word the ESV uses is the word steadfastness. If you just click there, uh, Cynthia, it'll highlight for you. Steadfastness. Oh, goodness. Go, ba- go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Sorry. I don't know why it didn't come. Anyway, just go back, Cynthia. Just go back again to the slide, the screen we were on. The first, the first slide, please. The word steadfastness. It's, there we go. That's what was meant to happen. Steadfastness are the two words that I'm highlighting here. And I remember hearing years ago, somebody said, remember that faithfulness is the root of all character. Now, steadfastness... And faithfulness, there's a great similarity between steadfastness and faithfulness. And I want to submit to you, how come we can get this perfection and completeness and lacking nothing? How come that can come in our life? That comes because steadfastness, enduring through trial, molds character in us, causes us to become more like Jesus. And the more we become become more like Jesus, the more glory we bring to Him. And therefore, the the perfection and completeness is we become more like Him. Amen? It doesn't necessarily mean you get more things in this life. You know, in the world, there's this game, you know, who's got more things at at the end of it, you know? How many holiday houses and... Oh, now, apparently if you're an oligarch, you need more than one super yacht. Have you seen these super yacht things these guys have? Uh, I mean, (laughs) there was an April Fool's Day, and uh, I think one of these news magazines was posting that there's one for sale, cheap, cheap, only 10 million. I mean, these things are billions, and a couple of people fell for this. I don't know, how many of you, you know, went to bid for a super yacht, okay? (laughs) 
You've got 10 million lying around. Listen, you've got 10 million lying around. Can we just have some for signs, road signs, by the way? Okay? Just mentioning it, okay? But, but this word steadfastness has gripped me. And the reason it gripped me, for many years I read the NIV Bible, and it, it uses the word perseverance. And I love the word perseverance. And so now I'm reading the ESV, the last few years I've been reading the ESV, and it uses the word steadfastness instead of perseverance in places like this. And I'll show you all the other places. I've just been discovering steadfastness all over my Bible, and I'm loving it. And it's my new favorite word, just by the way, for this week, my new favorite word is steadfastness. It's a word that I haven't really found in the NIV and so I'm loving discovering steadfastness and what it means. And so I'm sharing with you stuff that I've been discovering. You know, every time I read, find steadfastness, underline, highlight, you know. This is so exciting. So this is what we're doing. So my message is entitled, dun, 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 Steadfastness. Uh, I know you've already discovered that, okay. So the message title is Steadfastness. But what does it mean? So on the next slide, we're going to do a bit of Greek over here. I, I, I understand from from last week that um, you guys really enjoy Greek lessons. Uh, thank you, Amu. So I'm feeling very challenged to up my Greek over here. The standard has been set. So the Greek word is hypomone. Okay? Does that sound Greek to you? I have no idea. Oh, it's hypomone, hypomone. I don't know. Okay? I'm, I actually don't know. But anyway, that's how it's written, okay? <laughs> Hippomone. Okay, there we go. It, I sound quite intellectual. Eh? <laughs> sound like a Greek student. Okay. Okay, so what is it? In the New Testament, okay, the characteristic of a... This, what is it? it? In the New Testament, it's the characteristic of a person who is not swerved from the deliberate purpose of loyal faith and devotion to God by even the greatest trials. Not swerved, not swerved from the deliberate purpose of loyal faith and devotion to God by even the greatest trials. That is the New Testament understanding of this word, hippomone. So in the end, so that is in, in if you read the James in Greek, that would be the word. The NIV uses the word perseverance, which is a good word. The ESV uses the word steadfastness, which is also a good word. Okay? The original Greek is this one. Now, what else does it mean? I've got four different um, ways this word can be used. Okay? Firstly, it is a cheerful, hopeful endurance and perseverance. <laughs> you know? I was like, you know, when I think of endurance and perseverance... I do not put the adjective cheerful and hopeful before it. You know, endurance and perseverance, you know, it's kind of like, okay, if you're a runner, you know, and you're doing a marathon. Now, don't speak to Cass because he does a marathon before church and then comes and jumps around in worship. So, so he's not a good degree, nor Josh, okay? But, you know, people like me who've never run a marathon, apparently, when you get to like the 30K mark, the thing about a marathon, remember, it's 42Ks, the 30K mark is quite a significant milestone in a marathon. The reason is that the natural uh, amount of energy that your body stores up runs out at about the 30k mark. And so apparently you hit the wall and the wall is where you literally feel like you can't go on. And it's got to be, you know, the classic mind over matter, 
you, you just, you just want to stop. But you've got to then engage, you know, your inner, your inner mojo. You know that stuff that um, Amu spoke about last week? You know, your inner strength. I mean, you know, ask, ask Amu. If you don't know, you listen to last week's message, okay? Your inner oomph. You got to engage because your body is pelile. Your body says a corner. You know, I'm not going any further. But I think of perseverance at that moment, at the 30k mark in a 42k race, where it's like, oh God, I can't anymore. The Bible says it's a cheerful, hopeful endurance and perseverance. You know, it's like 30k's. I got no more energy. I don't care. I'm gonna carry on running. I don't care. You know, it's like, oh Lord. That is, this is, this, this is stuff, this is spiritual, this is God, this is supernatural, folks. This is supernatural stuff. Number two, an unchanging, steady, firm, constant, and unswerving. Wow. Okay, that's, that's, that's upping a level a little bit more yeah. okay? Unchanging, steady, firm, constant, and unswerving. How about firmly loyal, reliable, and faithful? That's speaking in a relational dimension. Firmly loyal, reliable, and faithful. How many of you think that's a good qualification for a future spouse or current spouse or any spouse for that matter that you are married to, okay? Not somebody else's spouse that you are kind of eyeing, okay? Firmly loyal, reliable, and faithful. I'm like, I want one of those. I got one of those. Hallelujah. Amen. She's sitting in front. She's gorgeous. Her name's Jenny. And she's mine. Okay. And she's firmly loyal, reliable, and faithful. Amen. Amen. I want to submit to you that maybe if you're looking for future spouse material, steadfast should be on your list. If not, why not? Okay. Because we want some of that stuff. Okay. Fourth, a patient waiting for. Now, you know what's interesting? Number four, you know, when I read this list, I was like, I thought, especially in this James scripture where it says produces perseverance, I knew perseverance was like patience. I thought, okay, before I did word study, if you had told me, I would have probably emphasized number four, a patient waiting for. Okay, a patient waiting for. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. This is an allegory, and I hope you enjoy this. I enjoyed telling my wife this allegory. Okay, so I'm going to take my jacket off for this allegory. Okay, so this allegory. So the allegory goes like this. Okay, you need a new fancy pantsy ID card. Okay, and so you found out that you got to rock up at home affairs a little bit early to get to apply for the home. But 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 you fine because you can wait. Because you've got your phone with you, it's fully charged, you've got data, you rock up at 6 a.m. I mean, this is way, two hours early before it opens, etc. You rock up at Home Affairs at 6 a.m. one morning to apply for your card, and you find there's already, you know, a line half a kilometer long. And you decide, okay, I've got to wait a little bit here, patiently, you know, a patient waiting for, got data, got my phone, you know can check my social media, you know, call some mates, you know, listen to some music, I got my earphones, cool, I can wait. And you're waiting patiently, etc. Okay? But then after a while of social media and phoning, your daughter runs out. Well, that's not a problem, you know, I've got some music stored on my phone, I've downloaded some videos, you know, I can wait some more. But then your battery dies. Okay? (laughs) 
and now it's getting close to 3, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and you are still quite away from the entrance. They close the door at 3 because the office closes at 4, and if you're not in by 3, you're not going to get anywhere. So, so you're kind of looking down the queue. It's, it's now down to only a quarter of a kilometer. You've got halfway down the queue, and you don't make it by 3 o'clock. You go home. You say, it's fine, you know. I can do this patient waiting for thing. I'm going to get extra data. Okay, I'm going to get a power bank. I'm going back there 5 a.m. I'm going to get this cart. So you rock up the next day. And you're waiting in the line there. And you're very patient. And you're doing your thing. And at about 10 a.m., home affairs officials come out and say, sorry, the system is offline. Um, you know, go home. So you go home. Okay, you're patiently waiting. Okay. The next day you rock up, okay, ma'am, I'm coming at 4 a.m. Now you rock up at 4 a.m. You're only about 200 meters from the door. Okay, you're really close. You reckon I'll definitely get in before 3 p.m. Okay, while you're waiting in the queue about lunchtime, you suddenly hear gunshots. Everybody's running. There's an armed robbery in the shop next door. Home affairs closes down. You go home. Woo, day three. Okay, still haven't got. We're still doing this patient waiting thing. But we are actually, we are actually moving into the realm here of now you are becoming very full of perseverance and endurance is working in you and you are deciding, I am going to get this ID card, you know, come heaven or high water, you know. And you, there's, there's, there's a determination working inside of you. I'm not giving up, okay? So day four, you know, you decide, I'm going at 3 a.m. And you're getting dressed and etc. And you're out there waiting for the taxi and there are no taxis. And you check social media and you find out that, that there's major looting broken out in the central of Peter Maritzburg. And they're burning down all the shops. And, 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 and you know, there's no taxis running that day. So 3 a.m. you decide, I'm going back to bed. You find out they're burning the whole of the center of Peter Maritzburg down. Home affairs is closed for another 10 days. But you're determined to get your ID card. Okay? So now, we are now, two weeks later, 14 days later, your home affairs is open. 3 a.m. You are standing there. You are like, you are like so close to the front. Okay? And you go, and eventually you get in, you get in before the door shut, you fill in your application forms, etc. And you do, and you pay your money and everything, and you are so happy, you go out, you're going to get your ID card, okay? And now you're waiting for the SMS that you meant to get two weeks later, and two weeks comes and goes, and three weeks comes, and four weeks, and five weeks, and two months, and three months. You decide, I've got to go back to Home Fest to find out where it is. So you go back in the queue, 3 a.m., okay? And you are waiting in this queue at 3 a.m., and you manage to get in before it closes, and you get through the queues in the front there, and you get to the front, and you say, listen, I came on this date for my ID card, etc. Please, where's my ID card? They look on the system, and they say, sorry, we have no record of any applications for your ID card. You need to apply again, okay? So, folks, are we moving into the realm of a year of a steady, firm, constant, firmly loyal, reliable, faithful, I'm going to get my ID card? Amen? I want to submit to you, none of those scenarios that I painted to you are not realistic. Okay? 
And then I forgot to mention to you, eventually you apply for your ID card, you get your SMS, and now you've got to go get your ID card. So you're standing there in the queue at 3 a.m. and you decide to check social media and you find out that ESCOM is doing load shedding for the next week. You can't get your ID card. Okay, so just wanted to mention all the scenarios you and I have all been through. Okay, what does that do in us? What is that? I'm, I'm describing to you. You know, folks, there can be the, I don't care. But you know, when I get my ID card, I can therefore apply for a learner's license. I can drive and not get taxis anymore. I can actually open a bank account, okay? I can get married, okay? Uh, there's, there's a whole lot of things that can happen in my life, okay? And so, and so you know, so you are determined. I need my ID card, okay? So look at the next verse. The next verse says this. It says in James 1 verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive his new ID card. <laughs> the crown of life, folks. The crown of life. How can you read the Bible so wrong? It says the crown of life. Where do you see the new ID card, okay? But, but folks, that is you know, the, the crown of life. You know, I've actually researched it. The Bible speaks about eternal life. But this is the thing. I want to ask you this. When does eternal life start? Does eternal life start only the time your spirit man leaves this body when your physical body dies? Folks, eternal life for you and I starts the day we surrender our life to Jesus. And how much eternal life can we get this side of eternity? Folks, how much joy, how much joy under perseverance. You know that James scripture says, count it joy when you face trials. You know that means when you're standing in the queue and you hear, you get the message that there's load shedding for the next week. It's like, oh God, that's amazing. You're going to make so much more character in my life. I'm going to be so much more godly and Christ-like in my life. We count it joy because, God, you're going to work good stuff in me. Amen. So there we go. You guys will never forget home affairs. And, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's hypothetical. You know, I mean, I know you guys, you just walk in there at 9 a.m. by, you know, half 9, you fill in the forms. Um, let me tell you, me and home affairs, I'm a registered marriage officer. So when you get married, I've got to take your marriage forms to Home Affairs. Do you know how often me and I visit Home Affairs? Me, me and Home Affairs, we like this, okay? <laughs> so I've got nothing against Home Affairs, okay? We're tight. Home Affairs and I, we're tight, okay? Just want to tell you that. <laughs> Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, firm, constant, unwavering, loyal, faithful, reliable, Folks, do you see that's more than just this relaxed patience, you know? You know, the kind of patient I'm waiting on my phone, you know, I'm watching some social media, messaging some people. That's like a very passive waiting. I was trying to describe to you a person who's very active, who's very determined, who's very focused, like I'm getting my ID card, come heaven or high water, I'm getting my ID card. I don't care if my phone dies, I don't care if ESCOM dies, I don't care if whatever, you know? I'm determined to get my... It's a much more active waiting 
or steadfastness is much more active than this passive sitting back waiting. Oh, well, you know my phone's died. I'll go home. I'll come back tomorrow. Whatever. This steadfastness is, I'm going to go through this and we're going to, we're going to go, get what, we, what we're aiming for. Amen. It's much more active than the passive just waiting for that I thought, you know, what this word meant. So let's go on. I've got a picture for you because a picture speaks a thousand words. I was like, what is a good picture of steadfastness? And that's it. I think that's a good picture of steadfastness. There's a lighthouse facing trials of note, okay? I don't necessarily want to be that lighthouse keeper, let me just tell you, you know. There's another classic picture, I don't know if you've seen this picture, of a lighthouse like that with a massive wave hitting. And right at the bottom, there, the door is open and there's a guy standing at the door with the door open and this wave is coming around. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to that oak. I don't know if it was photoshopped or whatever. It was quite a classic picture. But that picture is a picture of steadfastness. And folks, if, if, if the Lord has prophetically shown us that our church is to be a lighthouse, folks, that means we are steadfast. We're going to stick to what God has called us. We are going to remain. We are going to persevere. We're going to keep trusting God for the harvest to come, even though we have lockdown and nobody's coming to church. And it's like, God, what on earth are you doing here? You said there's a harvest and now you're keeping everywhere at home. I'm going to harvest people at home, etc. Amen. So steadfastness is, I believe, such a characteristic of what a lighthouse is. And that's not a passive just waiting. It is there for a purpose. It is sending a, a message out to people, to ships on the ocean. You know, each lighthouse has a unique lighting code so that if the ship sees the light from that lighthouse, it doesn't just know, oh, there's rocks there or there's land over there. It can, on a map, find out exactly where that lighthouse is and locate its position in the world because each lighthouse has a unique code. And so you are giving direction, you're giving light, you're giving purpose to people. Amen. Can you imagine you've been out at sea and you don't know where you are and, and you know, land is... You know, seeing a lighthouse is like, oh, thank God, light, land is close. We're not, you know, 3,000 miles from land. We're not far from land. And so it just speaks so much. So I love it. I wanted to think, and then I, was, I showed Jen this picture, this next picture. I was thinking, what is the opposite of steadfastness? And I don't know if there is a word, unsteadfastness. Is there? I don't know. You English boss, tell me. Is there a word like unsteadfastness? But I think that's a picture of unsteadfastness, okay? So it's not the, the calf muscles, okay, ladies? Please, okay? It's not the nice legs, okay? It is the soap, okay? Is a picture of unsteadfastness. Guys, have you been in the shower, you know, and you're going for it and you're singing, you know? He loves me, oh, how he loves me. And the soap falls out your hand. And now there's shampoo in your eyes and you've got to find the soap and you're looking for the soap and you can't find it. And you stand on the soap and then you're like lying on the, you know, on the floor and it's like, oh, where's the soap? And you're still trying to find the soap. And then you get up and now you've got soap under your foot so now you're going like, whoa, I can't do this anymore. You know, you've got to stand on one foot and wash soap off this and then the other foot goes on the soap and you're back on the ground. It's like, ah, I'm going to kill the soap, okay? Have you guys been there, done that? Folks, I thought that's a, probably a good picture of being unfaithful. Because, because 
and I mean, you joke and you laugh, but you know, some people are like that. You put weight on them. You, you, you give them responsibility. You give them authority. You, you may, may give them a, a platform, a pulpit, etc. And then just next thing, gong, you know, they, do, they, they disappoint you, let you down. They're out of here. they whatever. And, you know, as I said to Jen, now you've got soap under your foot. And even though you're standing on a hard, solid tile floor, you want to, you're slippery because, you know, this, the, you know, you now need to wash the effects. And this is, this is actually a reality. Unfaithful people. I know people who say, I'll never get married again. Because they've married somebody who was like soap, okay? And, and I know marriage has its challenges. Listen, let me tell you, I've, I, I, we don't have the perfect marriage, you know? And, you know, as that the, the one pastor, you, this is, guys, if, if you, you know this joke, but please laugh, just for the camera, okay? Because some people haven't, okay? You know the pastor who, who, he's been married for like 35 years, and this young man comes to him and says, Pastor, Pastor, you know, we've just been married for like two years. And he says, how do you do it? How do you stay married for so long? Have you, have you never, ever thought of divorce? And the pastor turns to him and says, son, divorce, never. Murder, many times. <laughs> no, it's a joke. 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 Okay. For the camera. Okay. I'm not advocating murder. Okay. For those of you. Okay. There we go. You know these oaks on YouTube are going to cut. The pastor said you must murder your wife. Don't divorce her. I'm not saying that. I'm joking. Okay. There we go. Okay. So where are we going with this? I have no idea. Where are we going? What are we doing? Okay. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Okay. I want to connect now. This steadfast word is such a powerful word. So God wants to work steadfastness in us. Trials come to work steadfastness in us. But I want to go to this place. And again, I read this in my devotion. Psalm 59 verse 17 says, Oh my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress. The God who shows me steadfast love. Now again, remember, I'm just seeing steadfast all over my Bible. And I read steadfast love. Why put steadfast in front of love? I mean, love is a powerful word. But when, once I studied steadfast, I was like, this is such a good description of God's love. The firm, constant, reliable, faithful, loyal, unchanging, unswerving nature of God's love. What a powerful combination. Steadfast love. So then I quickly did a search. And I found out on the next point, that steadfast love occurs 227 times in the ESV Bible. And just in Psalm 136, and we'll look at it just now, it occurs 26 times. Do you know that Psalm, Psalm 136? Literally, after every line, what do the, do the people say? If they say this, His steadfast love endures forever. But I mean, you know, when you understand steadfast, it's nearly redundant to say endures forever because that is the nature of steadfast. You will remain. Amen? Now, I do want to put this disclaimer, folks. I do realize that God is the God of seasons, and sometimes seasons come to an end. But, folks, you can end well. There is a way to end well and not just kind of slink away, etc., all offended and upset with somebody that you don't like. There's a way to end well. But, folks... That requires maturity 
more than you would imagine. Amen? To close well, to end well, is godly. And that's one of my prayers. There's a book I read years ago. It was called Finishing Strong. In every assignment, in any job that I've done, we've been able to finish well. We've had a farewell that was healthy and celebratory in every place I've been. And I've served in three different churches. We've got, we had a picture on our wall of all the people that came to our farewell in Cape Town. We finished well. It requires maturity. You can end seasons well. Amen? Nothing's going to carry on forever. Amen? But if there's steadfast, if there's godly character in life, you will finish well. Amen? And we will release you and bless you with grace and blessing, etc. So this is important. I'm not saying you must carry on in your current assignment forever and a day. You know, uh, I believe sometimes you can stay in an, in an assignment too long beyond the, the grace that God has for you. Absolutely. We need to discern the seasons and sometimes it is time to move on, whatever that looks like. But I'm just saying let's finish well if the season does come to an end. But this word, his steadfast love endures forever. It occurs, I want to highlight this, I want to highlight this, um, sorry, I'm looking at my slides, I don't know how we got the, this order of slides, but let's go. Okay, so we did this, remember uh, we did the, the, the relationship series, and we highlighted on the next slide the four kinds of love. But I actually put this description of agape love, remember agape the love, the God kind of love, phileo, friendship love, storge, family love, and eros is your romantic love. We looked at in the relationship series. But what I wanted to highlight is the description I put up for the God type of love agape is steadfast and sacrificial. You know, I didn't realize how profound that was. I, I, I did research because, you know, one of the reasons is I wanted to fit, fit it in there. I didn't want to fill a whole page just for describing agape love. I put steadfast and sacrificial and the more I've been studying steadfast and just thinking about sacrificial, I'm like, those two words are so profound to describe the God kind of love. And, and remember, I said, if you just click Cynthia, I said that this kind of love, just, this kind of love requires godly character. It requires godly character. And, and that godly character creates a safe place in relationships. Remember, we spoke about this in relationships. This creates a safe place in relationships, and that's a key aspect of a healthy relationship, that you feel safe with your friend, that you feel safe with your spouse, you feel safe with your work colleague. This is so foundational, and that, folks, comes as we endure the trials of life, and we become more godly instead of more wicked when we go through the trials of life. You actually do have the option of, in a situation where it's tough, you opt, instead of trusting God, you start to steal, or you start to whatever, manipulate, whatever. You, you can go an ungodly route. But I'm saying allow God to work character in your life. That word sacrificial, remember when we defined love, and I'm putting it on the bottom of the screen here, when we define love, the Bible views love as the sacrificial desire to place the well-being of another above one's own. I just want to highlight sacrificial. I've got two words there to describe agape love. Steadfast, which we're looking at, that's the main thing we're looking at this morning, is steadfast and steadfastness. And it's a word to describe God's kinds of love. But the word sacrifice is so important as well. You know, the reality is, it is very important for you to do self-care, as Amu was speaking last week. We need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, as Amu highlighted last week. 
The tendency in the world today, though, is that it becomes all about self-love or self-care. And there's a very good word that's, that, that I don't know what it meant. It's called narcissism. You know, a narcissistic person, is, it's all about me. Me, myself, and I. That's what the world is about. And that can be the extreme. Their extreme is it's all about sacrifice. I never think about myself. I, I, I'm always giving myself away to other people. I don't do self-care. I'm not eating healthy. I'm not sleeping well. You know, I'm not taking time with the Lord. I'm not taking time out. I'm not taking a Sabbath, etc. And in the end, you have nothing to give to others. Folks, this reality, Bible views love as a sexual sacrificial desire to place the well-being of, a, of another above one's own, is at the core of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. We're celebrating Easter next weekend, folks. At the core of the gospel is God gave. And so if we remove sacrifice from, from the essence of God's love, we will never change the world. Because there's some hard, unlovable people out there that's going to require sacrifice on you and me. Because if we're just thinking about ourselves and our, and our what people say, etc., we'll never love the unloved. We'll never invite them to church. We'll never offer to pray for them. We'll never share the gospel with them. Because it's going to cost us. It could cost us a number of things. Relational stuff, etc. We have got to be committed. I am here to give my life away. I'm here for the, for the good of firstly for Him and for other people. But I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to make sure I have devotions and take Sabbaths and, and eat well and exercise and sleep well and all the good things that we need so that I have more to give away. You know, often when I'm running and I'm exercising, I'm saying I'm exercising my body so that I, I, my, my body doesn't limit God in how He can use me by having a sickly body or a, a whatever, a, a body that can't fulfill the purpose of God and... And I limit God using me because my body is weak or frail or sickly or unfit or whatever you want to. So let's go to the next slide. His steadfast love endures forever. This phrase, this phrase, folks, was, was a declaration in the nation of Israel that God made them say and declare at so many times in their history. And I and I want us to just look at all the times, and I've just got it, we're not going to look at all the scriptures, there are, I've got a whole bunch and there are more of them. This phrase literally, when Israel came together and the priests would say something about God, about his good or his mercy endures forever, whatever, this phrase would be the response. Today, very often, if, in congregations in South Africa, if you say something, often people will say, Amen, or preach it, brother, or for sure, or you know, whatever. We have saying, in the nation of Israel, this phrase was what they would say. Instead of saying Amen, they would say, His steadfast love endures forever. And I'm just like, wow, God, that is such a profound statement. You see, folks, when you say something on your own lips, you're, you are hearing it with your whole being. It resonates in your soul. God is trying to drill down. He's trying to bore into the souls of His people that His steadfast love endures forever. And we're going to look at it. So look at these places. At the dedication of Solomon's temple, there were uh, three places 
that the con congregation were told to declare this at their dedication. They would shout, the congregation would shout together, His steadfast love endures forever. And you can just imagine it echoing over the hills, of, uh, the hills around Jerusalem. At the victory over the Ammonites, there's the scripture, the congregation declared that his steadfast love endures forever. After the Babylonian conquest, his steadfast love endures forever. At the dedication of Ezra's temple, his steadfast love endures forever. In David's psalm of praise in 1 Chronicles 16 and the next one, in the worship duties that he assigned, David did this crazy, radical, wild thing. He instead of, when he brought the, the ark back, instead of getting them to sacrifice animals like crazy, he instituted worship as a way to, 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 to be devoted to God instead of all these animal things. And, and, and David instituted these worship duties that I'm highlighting over there. And part of the worship duties, day and night, the, 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 the worship teams that were worshiping around the, the, the tabernacle, they had to declare this phrase, His steadfast love endures forever. Folks, there's something about those words that God wants us to get. You know, when we were singing this morning that song about He loves us, oh how He loves us, I was hearing the words of this declaration. There's something about God wanting to us to get the depth and the significance of His love for us. Folks, this steadfastness that I'm talking about that get, enables you to go to home affairs, you know, for three months trying to get a card. Folks, that is supernatural stuff that you get from God. That is what God is like with you. He perseveres with you. No matter what, you know, you don't want to come to church. He tries this. He invites you to this connect group. He keeps on. He keeps on. For months. For some of you, he's been trying for years to get you to home affairs, to get your card. Okay? Your salvation card. Okay? He perseveres. He's like, okay, let's try this. Let's try this. And you're finding all these excuses not to go to home affairs and get your salvation card. Okay? The home affairs in heaven I'm talking about. Okay? You get the metaphor. But look at Chronicles 16, 1 Chronicles 16. So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly before the Ark as each day required. Regularly, morning and evening. They had a worship team assigned to worship God every morning and every evening around the Ark. And the rest of those chosen and expressly named to give thanks to the Lord. For his steadfast love endures forever. So what I want us to do now, Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is the psalm where every second line has these words, his steadfast love endures forever. And how the congregation did it was the priests would read the first line and the congregation would respond as a roar. His steadfast love endures forever. And I'm going to say, can we do it? Can we do it? I'm going to ask, do you mind standing? We're going to finish with this. Let's stand. So Cynthia is going to put the slides up. There are 26 verses. We're only going to do the first nine, okay? You can do this nine times, okay? Say to yourself, I can do this nine times, okay? So I will read 
the aspect of God's nature that we are giving thanks for. Okay? And then you declare, we all declare, for his steadfast love endures forever. I've underlined your line. Okay, hopefully I don't forget my lines. Okay, let's go together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. His steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. Folks, can we give the Lord a hand? You know, as I was thinking of examples of steadfastness, Jen and I wrote down a list of people in our church that we've seen steadfastness. The list filled the page and more. We actually couldn't get all the names on the page. And then one of our things was just, I'm sure there are some people who we haven't managed to fit on the page but this, this psalm speaks about the sun and the moon. If you think about how regularly and steadfast the sun comes up every morning and the moon shines in the sky at night. Folks, is there a, is there a greater declaration of his steadfastness? And I want us to finish with a song. And I've got the, they've got the song there. You guys are going to play the song now. This song... Is, is a song entitled, The Steadfast Love of the Lord Never Ceases. It's an old song. We know it, Jen and I. I don't know where I know it from. I just know it. And it's actually a song. It's a video recording I found on YouTube. It's actually one of our Every Nation churches in, in, in the Philippines singing the song. It's not long. It's simple words. It goes, it goes The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies have never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Every morning you see the sunrise, folks. It reminds you God is faithful. Let's worship. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.